0: My name's Todd. And this is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 685, which is a lot. (laughs) Isn't it, sweetie? It is. 685. Uh, Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, is a parent's self-understanding. We're recording this on Monday, November 21st, three or four days before Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Yes, um, Thanksgiving. What where does Thanksgiving rank in your holidays, sweetie?
1: Trying to get my microphone straight here. Um, I really like Thanksgiving. I I feel like the as I say every year that there's just this big like hill from Halloween through to January first, where I'm just we're going down the hill so fast that it all kind of blends. Um, there's ways that we can break it up, you know, like we don't do our Uh, holiday or our Christmas decorations until we get home from Thanksgiving because we go to Seattle for Thanksgiving. So that's kind of how we separate. And obviously the fact that we're traveling for Thanksgiving, that's a separation, but it sure is a big jumble of holiday.
0: It is. And what are a few of our holiday uh, Thanksgiving traditions? Going to Seattle. One.
1: Um, We play uh, Turkey Bowl.
0: Yes, we do. Um, We, you know, for like an hour. (laughs) Sweetie, don't minimize it. I It gets, I start, I've gets wanted very to do, built up. I've wanted to do this forever. And now that our kids and my nieces are old enough to play football, uh-huh. um, I was really jacked up to do it last year. And it went even better than I thought it well, would.
1: But what about when they get texts?
0: When they get texts during, texts. during the game?
1: Yeah. Remember, they all had like oh phone God. calls and
0: texts. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> I got to make a rule. No phones during the oh, game. Oh, good luck. Yeah, Thanks. Um, and then we watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah.
1: We watch pain, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. We go to Maggiano's. We go shopping in Bellevue. Nice outdoor um, hikes. We do hikes. We do, um, I try and like have time in the morning, go have coffee and be outside. I really love Seattle. I do I love do too. seeing our family. Even so. though
0: November is not the friendliest time to be in Seattle.
1: I know, but I don't care like you know when people are like oh you don't want to be there then it's like I'm still seeing the mountains I'm still seeing the water I'm still enjoying the we're there in the summer too so we know what Seattle I I probably spent more time in Seattle in the summer over my course of my lifetime so I know what it can be but I don't I mean November's not supposed to be
0: yeah it almost would be weird if it was anything other than 49 and rainy yeah
1: it's Thanksgiving everybody Um,
0: a couple quick takes before we get started Sweetie, the Marlins are a baseball team down in Florida. I know of them. They made a historic. Is it a historic or an historic? A historic. A historic hire this week promoting Carolyn O'Connor.
1: Wait, a... Hold on Uh that. Uh-oh. A historic... um, A... (laughs) I, it's it's all about the vowel. Like if you're going, if you're putting it A It should in be of,
0: A because historic is a cons- correct. consonant. Correct.
1: Right. And I just had to do that in my mind.
0: But I feel like I've sometimes seen. And historic. In book. And historic. It's an historic event. It's, it's a, an historic. Zen parenting people, come back and tell us whether or not that it's like that.
1: It's a absolute. It's an absolute. Oh, my God. I, I can't even see it now. I'm, I'm a writer and I can't see it. So, Uh, you're messing up. You're messing with my mind. That's what I I do. I blame you.
0: Uh, Promoting Caroline Caroline O'Connor from COO to President of Baseball Operations. Why does this matter? Because Kim, her last name is NG. I don't know how to pronounce NG as Mm -hmm. a last name. Mm -hmm. Any ideas?
1: Uh, Not right
0: now. Um, She's already in place as GM. The Marlins become the first Big Four sports team to ever have women operating the entirety of of the team's day-to-day business. Wow. Isn't that great? That is great. Yeah. The Major League Baseball receives a C-plus grade for gender hiring in in the Institute for Diversity and Ethics and sports' most recent report. The NBA and NFL earned a B-plus and B, respectively. So obviously this helps the MLBs. I didn't even know they were measuring gender hiring in the Institute of Diversity for the big four sports. So that's great. Wow, yeah, that's wonderful. So now I'm a, all of a sudden I'm a fan of the Marlins because there's two women that are running that team. Now you're going to be watching. Yes, um, and then we can't forget about Kathy's Zen parenting moments. We are looking at how to
1: pronounce this name of Chinese. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to. I want to be able to pronounce it.
0: Hold on, just everybody. Pause. <laughs> I can't pause. I'm doing video and audio. Okay, just bring the audience in. Ing. Yeah.
1: That's what I thought. I'm sorry. I was doing uh-huh. the pronunciation. And I'm saying that because there's an author with that last name and I've heard people pronounce it a lot. So. I thought you were Ng.
0: still on the historic thing. I thought you were no. like Googling the No, I'm, I'm
1: way behind. I'm trying. I don't like it when we say people's names and we don't know how to pronounce it. I like to make sure everybody, names are important. I
0: agree. And that's why I didn't like make something up. Yeah,
1: you did well. Right. Thank you for that. But that's why I was... So Kathy
0: does these unparenting moments Uh every Friday. The Mm -hmm. last one was called Life Waves. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to read the quote that you started it with. Mm -hmm. And it's from Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Mm -hmm. And she's a famous person, isn't she, sweetie? She wrote Gift from the Sea. Yeah, one She's of your favorite author. books of all time. Yeah,
1: and she we've talked about her on the show a lot because that's my favorite book, and she was married to Charles Lindbergh, but she was actually just as accomplished as he was. She was also a pilot. She was a mother of six five, six. Um, And she was a writer and she was just as amazing as he was. (laughs) Even though we
0: don't know much about her.
1: Thank goodness. She has this beautiful book and and other books and her um, family has kind of kept updating them so they can be, I think they continue to be relevant even without the update. But anyway, is
0: she still alive or no? No, no. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have so little faith in the ebb and flow of life, of love, of relationships. We leap at the flow of time and resist in terror its ebb. Mm -hmm. We are afraid it will never return. We insist on permanency, on duration, on continuity. When the only continuity possible in life, as in love, is in growth, in fluidity, in freedom.
1: sounded like you're trying to figure that out as you were reading it. I totally have no
0: (laughs) idea what she's talking about. What does that mean? (laughs) Like there's a lot of commas, you're like, a lot of you're
1: reading it in it's, like really sem- monotone. Uh,
0: semicolons.
1: She's trying to say yeah, she, we're afraid of the ebb and flow of life, but there and we. But the only continuity is the uncertainty in the ebb and
0: flow of life. That's what she should have said, other <laughs> than all that. You know, sometimes when people write and they get all cute, like Shakespeare. Like, quit he, being what, cute,
1: Shakespeare. Just Bill, tell, just
0: tell me what's going on. Come on, Bill.
1: come on, lay it down. He, they're trying to. Listen, words are art. Truth. And if you can find a way to say something that is – it's funny because with writing, there's a bunch of different ways you can go. But I feel like people go from one extreme to the other. Either they write something significantly eloquent and that's almost like poetry – where you're like, wow, the use of those words and the way they blended together. And it, and when you're a writer, you try to get a rhythm in your writing, like where things kind of flow together and fit together and it's beautiful. Or people learn how to be really succinct yeah, and like sum up something. But most books are written in a much more a lot more words than you often need. Sure, Or, you know, why else would you have 250
0: pages? That's one of the things that I do remember from my English classes in high school, Uh which is less words, less words, less words.
1: Which is a funny thing to say, because then we have a term paper and they're like 10 pages, (laughs) 20 pages. And it's like, well, wait a second. I know. Um, I, my college students, I... Tell them that their final paper is around seven pages, and sometimes it's. I read one and it's five, and I'm like, "Well, they did all the things." Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be like it. Half. I mean, if my college students are listening, still, still try for seven. Um, but just double two and a half space it. <laughs> but no, that they, they can't do that. Put in
0: a bunch of charts and graphs.
1: And the only reason I say that, and so I'm kind of like going against what I believe, but what I mean is that, like, the whole idea of putting like some you know, number to it is you're trying to demonstrate this is how much work. Like I want you to do some research. I want you to look into this. I want you to compare some things. I want you to give your personal experience. And what I've found over the years of teaching, that's where it usually, that's how many pages it usually takes.
0: I'm thinking of that part in Dead Poets Society where, um, Robin Williams character, John Keating instructs Uh his kids to his students to, you said
1: his kids to his students,
0: his kids. I meant his students. Got it. Um, to create a poem, right, and that's that really powerful part the mad with the um, sweaty tooth madman, sweaty
1: man tooth man man by yeah, Ethan Hawke. Yeah,
0: but there's that one kid I forget his character's name uh-huh. here, and his poem is the cat sat, sat on, on the, the mat. mat, and then he like throws a piece of paper away, and it's and, funny. And
1: Keating is kind of like you know this you didn't put any work into this. I mean I'm paraphrasing, but.
0: Sometimes a short soliloquy can be really beautiful. That's exactly what he says. And they say, just don't make it boring. Just don't make it boring. Right. And the cat sat on the mat is a little on the boring. Side.
1: Yeah. And he's being a smart act. Yes, you know that? Is. That student's like, I don't do this.
0: Exactly. One of those guys. Um, okay. So one of our uh, Zen parenting listeners uh-huh. uh, wrote to us and asked us to consider talking about uh, a part of a book that both you and I adore called uh-huh. The Untethered Soul mm-hmm. by Michael Singer. Um, it's probably one of those books that I have either used or refer other people to consider picking up more than as much as any other book. Mm-hmm. But the listener was Speaking specifically about... I don't even know what chapter it was, but it was called... I think it's like Eight. Your Inner Thorns. Mm -hmm. Is that what they called it? Yeah.
1: It's about the removal of the thorns.
0: The removal of the thorns. Mm -hmm. And you and I have kind of used that term as a result of reading that book. Yes. And I needed to revisit it because I haven't read that book in four or five years. Mm -hmm. So I listened to it driving the other day, Mm -hmm. and you just listened to a little bit on your Peloton.
1: Yeah. I was just re-listening to that chapter.
0: Um, So... I wrote some notes down, and okay. Kathy, you're gonna have to help me kind of help help me convey the information. in the Yeah. Way. So
1: we should probably identify what the inner thorn is first.
0: So uh, the metaphor that he uses is: let's pretend you have a thorn, uh huh, in your skin, uh huh, and when that happens, and it's t- directly touches a nerve, mm-hmm. so it's a really highly sensitive thorn, like literally a thorn in your side or in your arm, or in your belly, or whatever. And when the thorn is touched, it's extremely painful. Mm -hmm. And he says, we have two choices, uh, practically speaking, of what to do about it. We could either just make sure nothing touches that thorn, Mm -hmm. or we could remove it. Mm -hmm. So obviously, this metaphor is not about a physical thorn in your side, because what would we usually do if that were to happen? We'd remove it. We'd remove it. And from a spiritual, from a personal growth standpoint-
1: Psychic awareness.
0: Psychic awareness Mm -hmm. standpoint. What he contends, and I agree with, is that most of the time, instead of us removing the thorn, which we'll talk probably about in the second half of this podcast, instead of removing it and being free from it, Mm -hmm. we construct our life in a way that is- Avoidant. So we don't touch the thorn. Correct
1: or we construct our life in a way so the thorn is not touched and we tell other people to act and react in a certain way to not touch
0: our thorns. So can you give some examples of what a th- what the metaphor of a thorn might represent in you know, our daily lives?
1: Yeah. So um, I can, I and we're going to give a lot of different examples because they don't always look this way, but the most obvious thing is someone who has some kind of trauma or pain or experience that they kind of have not either worked through or they're still grieving. And again, you, we've talked about grief a lot. Grief is an ongoing process. There, there's no judgment here as far as like, Oh, and they're not done or they haven't. I don't like them when we say they haven't healed something because I think things come up in different ways. And sometimes we think we got a thorn out and we didn't, you know what I mean? It's still there. But basically what it means is you have something inside of you, a trauma, an event, a terror, an experience that you really struggle with and that your psyche struggles with. And so when people maybe comment on something that like is around that issue, like um, say you really, really, really struggle with your mother – And that is like a big pain for you. Like there's a lot of trauma there. And then somebody talks about their mother or you're introduced to mothers or somebody asks you about your mother and it brings up all this pain. And a lot of times the instinct to say, just don't go there. Please don't ask me about that. I don't want to go there. I'm not going to do that. Or we, we create a life and where we don't have to be around our mother and other people's mothers. (laughs) We like, we don't want that thorn touched. It's such a painful place um that we avoid any kind of conversation experience or anything that would possibly set it off and so i always kind of feel like anybody who says things to you like don't go there or you don't want to touch that or you don't you don't want to ask me that question those are people who are telling you i got a serious thorn in inside of me and i am telling you to stay away from it because it's too much pain versus That person, So they're trying to control their external world instead of paying attention to that thorn that's there.
0: So here's my real world, real personal example of that. It's funny, you brought up motherhood, moms. So my mom passed away, how many years ago? I don't know.
1: Uh, I think we figured out about seven.
0: Seven or eight, 2014, I think Mm -hmm. it was 22. So eight eight years. And had a wonderful relationship with my mom. And this may or may not... Fall within the context of this discussion, but just for fun, we're going to play with this a little bit. Um, my relationship with my mom was great, but of course, there's a lot of things that happened as being uh, being a kid from my parents. And one of the things that I think is, I don't know if it's painful, but it's uncomfortable. There's times when you and I, Kathy and Todd, um, we're experiencing something and. Let's say I went out and got drunk with my friends last night instead of attended my kid's birthday party. Mm. Wouldn't happen. Don't do that. Right. And then that's probably too extreme of an example. How about um, I thought you were coming home for dinner and you worked late. Mm -hmm. When that has happened in our marriage, there's been times when I don't feel like I'm your equal I feel like I'm getting in trouble by my mom, mm-hmm. which is not what I want, and it's certainly not what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't want another kid. Mm-hmm. You want an equal adult in this relationship. I don't know if, like, is there unresolved trauma between my mom and I um, from our uh, from when I was growing up? I really don't know. In this moment, as I'm sharing this on the podcast, I don't know if there's an unresolved trauma around it, but I feel like it's more of, like, a general feeling around it. And what I try to do is avoid having to experience that with you. So I try not to mess up.
1: So I think that you are putting too many layers on it. I think your fear is just disappointing people. True. Okay. So you're connecting it somehow to your mom, but I don't think really, I mean, again, I'm not, you know better than I do about your experience, but when, when I'm thinking about you, I don't think to myself, that's an unresolved thing with your mom. No,
0: I think you're right. Like when I disappoint my friends or when I disappoint my daughters or when I disappoint my boss. Right. I get into this really uncomfortable place. So, really, yeah. maybe the thorn that we sh- that I should be talking about right now is my thorn of disappointing people. Okay. So when that happens, what happens to me? My nervous system gets all jacked uh-huh. up. I get really uncomfortable. Uh, I probably get. Uh, I don't know. My I just think of like my energy going really fast. And
1: let's say this: so you're you have a perception that you're disappointing yes. people. So it's all coming from you. Yes. So there are times that someone may literally say, "I may," say, I don't know if I've ever said to you. I'm disappointed no, no. in you. But there may be times when you can detect that I'm bummed out, sure. like that, like oh, okay, you're not going to be here. Okay, great. Um, and that's disappointing to me. But you're you have an experience internally that the, the thorn I'm hitting is something where you're like, if if you're disappointed, this means something. That I'm not enough. That there's a I'm terror lovable, behind it. I'm not lovable,
0: that I'm not good enough. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that that is a, a better example. So what I do is spend most of my life trying to not disappoint people. Right. And and that is, I think, where your acts of service stuff comes right. in. Right. Yeah and then so in, in michael singer's example is instead of me trying to live my life not disappointing people and some people might be hearing this saying yeah, well, what's wrong the, with yeah. not disappointing uh-huh. people that's a great idea but if i am like spent expending a lot of my energy trying to be perfect they, there's been this I, ideal idealized version of myself like i have to be perfect for everybody right. which is an unrealistic thing so i just feel like i am So I'm conducting my life to not disappoint anybody. And instead, maybe what I should be doing is pulling the thorn out and, and maybe we'll talk about what Michael Singer says about what, how to remove the thorn. Yeah,
1: because that's a whole other thing.
0: It's about awareness. It's about acceptance. It's about this other stuff. But maybe just even noticing like, oh, this is the, the people pleaser in Todd that's showing up all the time.
1: And I, I kind of want to go to that idea of pulling it out mm-hmm. because I really struggled with this today. Like Todd said, I've read this book five times. We've This, this book has been in our lives for, what, 15 years um, whenever it came out. But in different phases of your life, you experience it different and i was he kept saying because i was listening to more than just that chapter and he kept talking about you know you just want to get rid of the thorn instead and and i really struggled with that a little bit Sweet. because i think that you i think the language for me that works you mm-hmm. know like i know what michael singer's talking about but is become aware of the thorn mm-hmm. and have like <laughs> the visual that i had was having some internal comfort around that thorn And you know, and and maybe it it shrinks or it becomes smaller, or maybe it becomes not so. It's more on the outside of the skin, so it's not like hurt, or you know, it's it's not so deeply embedded and hidden. I'm aware of it because I don't. Because the whole idea of I'm just going to pull that out is, I think it goes to that place again of like, well, this was a trauma. It's over. Just be done with that. Like you know let's heal that which and would
0: be a bypass
1: to me it is and yeah. and i also think it's just a realistic way of understanding how people's psyche works i'm not i am not trying to um uh you know go up against michael singer or tell anybody how this goes it's just your it's experience
0: just, of the information it is
1: like i just feel like when like for me instead of the language of pull the thorn out my language is just be aware of that thorn and and don't blame on the outside Like I still go to what you said, Todd, is that I don't want to create a life where I am trying to avoid Mm -hmm. that thorn being hit. I think that is a unconscious way of living.
0: So let me throw some ideas at you. So this is what I was at the car wash yesterday. I was listening to the book and I was restating some of the things in my own words. So these aren't Michael's words, but it's my summary of some of his words. He says, thorns are simply blocks blocked energy from the past. So when they come up, feel it and it will eventually work itself out, which is an oversimplification.
1: Okay, wait. Let's stop there. Okay. So there's part of that that gives me a better visual. I I I I think the blockage can be removed in that sometimes maybe we've built a castle around the thorn
0: or we numb ourselves out from right, that right from
1: the thorn exactly so there's like all the, and that's kind of what i mean about the awareness of the thorn there can be some love toward it yeah and that you're not unaware of it is that i sometimes get into conversations where certain things do trigger me and and again we're going to you know in, in in a few minutes after we get through what you're telling me We're going to go to how you can actually do that in real time. But the belief that I'm just going to be able to, like, oh, I'm going to remove that, I don't,
0: I think it can deteriorate over time and become less intense. Yeah. I think most people change that way. Some people stop smoking in a moment. Yes. But over, but most people stop smoking, stop drinking, have these big things over a period of a lot of peaks and valleys.
1: But even that, the person who stops smoking in a moment, um, and I can, you know, say this because I did I stopped that twenty years ago, doesn't mean that it's still not something that they think about. Right. So that's the thing, is stopping smoking is like something you do and it's a great choice and it's all good. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you don't still have these like memories and so in other words, desires. even when you
0: pull the thorn out, you could still see Correct. it was there.
1: Exactly. And even and Yes, and so I kind of struggle with the analogy a little bit because I'm trying to find a place that in my own mind and body where I'm like, yes, that all fits well,
0: and just to kind of go along um I've shared this before, but in order for you know Zen parenting it's a it's a podcast where we talk about a lot of fun stuff we talk a lot about a personal growth, spiritual growth and all that and one of my teachers taught me that the the key to personal development, the key to evolving as a human being, is you can throw everything else out of away. It's about awareness, which mm-hmm. is what we're talking about like yeah. the, oh, this is a thorn. Yeah. Oh, I, I Todd doesn't like disappointing people. that's the awareness yes and then the acceptance of oneself right through that right And acceptance could come in the form of feeling your feelings, getting sad, getting mad, getting afraid, getting angry like that I, I think the idea of visualizing oh, I just pulled a thorn out. It's not that easy.
1: Right. And it, that's the part I struggle with is when he's like, well, you don't want to wear him on the outside and you don't want other people to hit him. So why don't you just pull him out? And <clears throat> in theory, that sounds really good. And it's the beginning of an awareness. Right of that we have more power than we may think. Mm-hmm. That we go around saying, that person pissed me off. Can you believe what that person said? Can you believe what that person did? And it's really not about those people. This sure. is self-awareness. It's about our reaction to people. Right. And then we have to be very careful because, you know, we've talked about this when we talk about cults and when we had Sarah Nippy on. You also don't want to go so extreme where you do the at-cause thing where anything you feel is your fault. Sure. So that's like a where you kind of go off the edge, mm-hmm. where other people can affect you, and that's a real thing. That's called being connection with other human beings. That's called being a human being. But we also can make choices about when we are affected, which is a real thing. Somebody flips us off, I'm going to have a response to that. Yeah. But then what do we do?
0: So right? um so I I go on with my summary of his of notes. From okay. re, he says stored energy from the past uh-huh. releases in the heart uh-huh. and generates thoughts. And yes. then he also goes on to say that most people numb out with food addiction. Yes. So like that is one of the ways that we don't deal with it. Like instead of, um, paying attention, paying it, noticing and, and having the awareness and having an acceptance. Instead, I'm going to go shopping or instead I'm going to go use porn or booze or, or, blame or blame somebody else. Bless you, sweetie. <coughs> oh, <coughs> sounds Bless like, me. sounds like a cough. No, it's, it's, it's a sneeze. Um, so, the numbing part is something I talk to um, a lot of the guys that I coach and in men living like we are, I forget about we, I am an expert at numbing. Um, I'm doing it less than I used to, but my numbing was not booze or weed. It was hiding behind work, Mm -hmm. going to work, going to my computer instead of being in a um, uncomfortable conversation with you about whatever, or instead of being in an uncomfortable thing with my boss, like, uh I I move over that. So like one of the ways that we can quote unquote remove our thorns, which is not language that we probably want to use, it's more like massage that area. It's yeah, like,
1: acknowledge that it's there. Acknowledge
0: that it's there. Yeah, see it. And and if I use if I use a distraction, then I'm not even acknowledging Correct. that it's there. Right. And I think that's what he's getting to.
1: Yeah, like okay, here's okay, this this is helpful to me. I view it as allowing that thorn to dissipate over time. If the thorn is... Unacknowledged, and we're avoiding it, and everybody else is to blame for all the things we feel. And we think that anybody who brings up an issue or does something to us or doesn't do something is to blame, and we're just such a touchy, you know, highly um, reactive person. Then we are literally avoiding what the issue is, which is it's something that we're dealing with internally. But then once we acknowledge that, because I feel like over, you know, however many years, I'm very acknowledging of my inner challenges. Like there is no I I am not a runner. I am a feeler and with the attention paid, it doesn't always go away immediately. What it does is I become aware of it, I understand it, I learn to um to you know have tools to not do more harm to myself, to not self-sabotage, to be more forgiving of myself, to be more forgiving of past experiences, to dissipate that thorn over time so it's not so... Uh, inflamed. Mm-hmm. And so, but I can't sit here and say I've just pulled it out because maybe some things, but the really, th- the hanger honor things that I think people know what I'm talking about, where it's like these challenges that constantly keep coming back that in the form of anxiety or depression or thoughts or fears, you know, I would love to be able to just be like, yank.
0: Yeah. But it's not that easy. And I feel like I love Michael Singer and I, I have I don't want to criticize him or other teachers that we love, but for me, it would, I would be able to relate to their message easier if they didn't make it sound so damn simple. I
1: know. You know what I mean? I I know. And that's the piece is where he is now, it may feel like-
0: That's his experience. For
1: example, I'll tell you one thing that's simple to me. I don't understand how people don't see thorns Mm -hmm. and someone else may say, Kathy, don't make that sound so simple. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a whole process of recognizing what is my history, what is my trauma. There's a lot of, talk about blockages, blockages like even things like disassociation where our brain has not allowed us to look at them because our brain's not sure that we can handle it or tolerate it. So I, can,
0: I feel like where I am is I'm like, how does someone not see this as their issue? So I think that there might be some people listening that might be like, I like what you guys are saying, but I'm not sure what my thorns are. So I have three words okay. that I just wrote down. The best, not the best, three different ways to find out where your thorns thorns might be located okay. is where in your life are you stuck? Mm-hmm. You know, like you keep trying, whether it be connecting with your partner or with your career mm-hmm. or anxiety, like where do you feel stuck? The other was where are you most highly reactive? Mm-hmm. Where do you lose it? Mm-hmm. When do you lose it or when do you like push it down? Mm-hmm. And then lastly is like when if you have the awareness, if I have the awareness to understand when I'm escaping from a feeling mm-hmm. and numbing out, like if if there's people out there listening like, "Yeah, I just go shopping." Or I just go if I just go use porn. Like those are typically, not typically. Those sometimes can be numbing Vehicles, and it's and to understand when you start to numb out, what happened right before that? Because mm-hmm. there's probably a thorn in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You with me?
1: Yeah, I totally understand. I think that um, for me, the thing that okay, Todd, we could have totally used this when the kids were younger. It would have been a way to entertain them in the car or maybe wind them down before bed. It's this streaming service called Pina.
0: Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks, which kids are really enjoying.
1: Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school and for weekend getaways. Not only will parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car.
0: It's a routine they can look forward to and makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to Pina dot fm slash promo to sign up and use the coupon code zpr at checkout that's pinna p i n n a dot fm slash promo now on with the show
1: yeah i totally understand i think that um for me the thing that always comes back in every way shape and form is uncertainty and it's not a surprise that I would write a book, you know, called, you know, caring for ourselves and our children in an uncertain world. Uncertainty to me is a deeply uncomfortable. Um, I think very human but very based in childhood for me and i and i don't have a story for everybody i can't go and this is why mm-hmm. i don't know okay. but there is a feeling i have where i think uncertainty is cruel and i think uncertainty shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. i i believe that you know i remember there was a time in my childhood teenage years 20s i have all these different stories where like someone would be frustrated with me or I would think that something was going to happen or I was worried about a grade and I would like tackle it right away and figure it out. And just, I can't deal with the, the, that time and space of like sitting there and being like, well,
0: sitting with your, discomfort sitting with the discomfort, the I
1: cannot, I, well, and see, this is what I'm working on. I was, I was just about to say, I cannot sit with a discomfort, but that's not true. That is a thorn I have that is like this equals bad. Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing about discomfort and uncertainty is that's the truth about life all the time. Like there is no, there is no certainty. What my mind has done though is it's, I have established these certain kind of rules and behaviors where I'm like, this is what makes life certain. And now I can relax and everything will be okay. And none of that's true. That's like childhood stuff that I've built up. And, and I'm not criticizing myself. I think those are ways I've managed. But the the thing that always comes back for me is the, you know, I was telling, I've been writing in my journal a lot. And I was telling Todd, I found my journal from a lot, from five years ago when I had the flu. And I decided to kind of, and this that may not mean anything to certain people, but about five years ago, I got really sick for about a month. And I couldn't sleep and I was very – I was just very sick and it was very scary and um, I was looking through the journal and that's what it, – it was all about the same things I'm dealing with right now. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it was all worry about the future and it shouldn't be this way and I shouldn't have to deal with this. And it's like, like you all <laughs> – this is kind of the way of things. And I, and I don't want to simplify it um, because it's still hard. And that's kind of my practice. And I think every human being's practice. I really, even though I can feel really alone sometimes in my experiences, I know for sure that everybody struggles with uncertainty. I know it. Um, it just looks different depending on who you are. Or some people who are uncertain do what you just said and they just kind of numb out and sure. go into a day and don't think about it.
0: So what I heard you say, <clears throat> in order for Kathy Kasani Adams uh-huh. to be... Her most comfortable self uh-huh. is if you can organize your world to where it's really certain. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not that the, that you don't like any uncertainty, but for the most part, the more certain- Oh, I you, don't
1: like any uncertainty.
0: <laughs> what do you think of, I remember we were at the Tony Robbins workshop, whatever, eight years ago, and he said, how many of you people like surprises? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people- Raise their hand, and he's like, BS, you you like the surprises that you like. Right. I don't like, I'm not even a big fan of surprises. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like totally,
1: see, I don't have a hidden thorn where I'm like, don't surprise me or else you're doing a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If you surprise me, it's fine, and I can. But I am not somebody who I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I like. I have structured my life in such a way where there is a there is as much certainty as you can get and some of it looks very looks and feels very healthy meaning I don't take a lot of huge risks I I maintain relationships with people so we don't lose touch I see and the thing is is we can look at this from either way you can be like well that's good that's healthy or that's smart but my driving force is certainty.
0: Well, and you know we're kind of all over the place with certain teachers. Byron Katie teaches the work, and the opposite of your story is true or true. What you just finished saying was, I don't take big risks, and I can easily give you many examples of how you take enormous risks. Yeah, you're right. I do writing a book, doing a podcast, like they're all risky. Like you're. Yeah. At least some are. The podcast probably isn't risky, but you as a writer is a a risk, but you do it.
1: And there's different thorns because here's the thing that I know for sure. When I have a struggle, once I'm through it, I don't share it in the middle. I share it T- with everybody mm-hmm. like I do not have once I get through something where I can see and it doesn't mean I'm completely on the other side but where I feel like I have my feet on the ground again everyone's going to know about it for two reasons that's part of my healing and I also think that's a problem we have in the world is we don't share with each other you know like something that kind of got brought back up again in in this grief I was having uh last week was my miscarriages and I was telling Todd that because I had two miscarriages um uh long time ago uh and I, they got brought back up again. And I just remember how I was struggling so much. And then I started sharing with people, which felt very vulnerable and scary. And then like, I would say 50% of the people I shared with had also had miscarriages. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Why are we not talking about this? Now, I think it's more common now to talk about it. But I'm telling you guys, when 10 years ago, or whenever we started this podcast, and I miscarried, I didn't. And again, maybe it was just a phase of life I was in, but people were not talking about it. So I started writing about it. I started talking about it on the show. Like we really need, I needed to work through it. So the risk I take afterwards is I share, but that doesn't feel as scary to me as the uncertainty I was in.
0: Because you're willing to share once you've come through it.
1: Right. And come through doesn't mean that I'm over it. It just means I've got my feet back on on the ground. ground. Because when you're in the middle, I didn't share my miscarriage the day after. I I think it it took a month or so. Yeah.
0: So this is what we're going to do. Okay. With the last, whatever, quarter of this podcast, I wrote some notes down and I think this is an oversimplification. I love Michael Singer once again, but sometimes I'm like, dude, you're, you're making it too simple for me to connect with your message, but let's just play here. Okay. so first of all he he wants to talk uh, about subject object right like so mm-hmm. for me, the one who is afraid of disappointing people is different than who I am at Correct. my core, Yeah, who I am at my essence, my heart And that's heart his centered. big
1: question is we don't have to, this is a whole nother chapter, but who are you? Yeah. That question, you know, Todd is not, it's not about him being Todd Adams or a male or a coach or a husband or a dad. Those are aspects of what he's chosen in life, his personality, but who is
0: he? And who I am is love, you know, energy. And we have we all have all these different versions of ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm a dad, I'm a partner, I'm a son, I'm an uncle. I'm one who fears disappointing people. Like there's... And those are
1: roles. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: The, so he he thinks that it's important to disidentify with yeah. that. Like who we are is this energy mm-hmm. and these roles are less important than yeah. we give them credit for. Yeah. So he says the one who notices mm-hmm. is already free. Right. This is much more simple than all the complexities that we create to avoid the thorn. Allow them to pass through you instead of have them inside of you. They are not you. They are simply thoughts and feelings that will pass through you. Mm -hmm. Um, He talks a little bit about loneliness. He's like, you're never going to cease loneliness. You're simply to, so loneliness would be like one of the thorns that some people might experience. You're not going to cease loneliness. You're simply going to quit being identified with it. Just let things go. Awareness does not fight. Awareness releases it. And that's the essence of his message. And I'm just like, man, I thought, I wish it was that easy. And some people might be listening and saying, it is that easy, Todd.
1: Well, it comes in waves. I think it's just like life. And and honestly, loneliness is one of my thorns, too. Mm. Uh, Todd and I were just doing, he was just helping me with something a few days ago where we kind of helped identify that a lot of my fear is based in um, loneliness, and and I've always known that. That's a big part of my childhood. It's um and something that can be hard for people to understand or identify, especially if you're around other people. The loneliness is internal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the literal. I'm surrounded by people. It's just kind of a part of um, what would you call it? A part of my persona. Part of what I'm avoiding. What I think
0: to add to it, we we interviewed the only lonely one. So it's like when okay. you're experiencing. Challenges. Yeah. There's times when our ego is like, I'm the only one going through anything that is challenging, yeah. and I'm lonely. And I see be- mine as biggest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I just wanted to like enhance that part that we were kind of working through last yeah. week. Yeah,
1: and she's just such a such a sad part of me. Mm-hmm. She's so sad, and she's so scared. Um, and and
0: what Michael says is just notice. Right. That. And I'm just like, yes. So
1: here's, uh, here's something I just came up with this morning. So okay. I've been working, um, I've, been, I've been working hard with my, my mind and body today. And um, is that one thing that did help? I remember when I was experiencing a depression, um, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And one thing I did realize, because I, I read The Untethered Soul around then, is that your thoughts can take you on a trip. They'll they'll take you on a on a drive through all the bad things. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you allow the if you allow your thoughts to take over, um, it will take you on a nice little trip through every negative thing that could occur. Um, your brain loves to do that because that's what it is. It's a processing machine. It's telling you here's all the things you've seen, here's all the possible outcomes, here's all the thing, and and some of the things I play with with this is if I. Go to bed after watching Parks and Rec or reading a book, and I go to bed. I'm not afraid. If I go to bed after watching a scary movie or somebody, you know, being preyed upon in their home, I'm afraid to go to bed. Yeah, and nothing changed. It's just what I watched and listened to. That's what the brain does. It tells you different information. So. What I know for sure is when I was dealing with a depression, I started practicing what Michael Singer said and not going on the ride with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I could not stop the thoughts, meaning they still showed up, but they'd be like, do you want to get in the car? And I'd be like, I'm just not going to get in the car this time. Now, I always had a fear of that because that can feel like repression or denial. I would be like in that space of now, am I denying what I'm feeling? Shouldn't I go on the ride with these thoughts? That's the key. Right? And, and... But I, it, the unfortunate part of this is you have to go on the ride with your thoughts enough to recognize it's not helping. So a lot of times the spiritual bypassing would be, well, I'm just not going to think about that. There's no – I'm not saying you have to go on the negative ride. It's just once you've done that enough, you realize that's not helping you. That is only taking you down, uh, you know, and you have to then have an awareness. You can call it a thorn. You can call it the car that pulls up and wants to take you on the bad ride. And you have to have an awareness of, I'm not going to get in that car right now. I know where you're going to take me. And brain, I know you're trying to show me all these things and all these sites, but I don't want to go on that ride right now. That's not helping me. And I, what I came up with, and I have it on my phone, is this nice chair that I'm going to sit in instead. Mm. And it's a really, there I have two pictures of it. It's this chair That's really comfy and it has all this stuff, and there's even a glass of water next to it, and all these. It's really nice and everything smells good. You can just kind of tell. And I'm by myself. And then there's another picture I have that I just so happen to find because, you know, the universe rises to help you of a woman, a brunette woman like me, and a brunette little girl in the chair. Mm. And I'm like, sometimes I may just need to sit with myself as a kid in this chair. So I know the chair analogy may not feel like a connection for people. They may be like, I don't get it, but it's the choice I'm making instead of going on the ride in the car. I'm going to sit in this chair instead. And I feel like this is good for all of us, even the scared parts. Like I'm going to sit in the chair with maybe by myself or cause it's cozy, or I might sit with myself as a kid and be like, let's stay here because we know where that car goes. And it's kind of like going to a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen that before.
0: And what you're explaining is with more words than what I just read from Michael's book is a disidentification. Yeah. You're trying, I think it's healthy to separate out these parts of ourselves. Yeah. And like, even like our essence, our love, our energy center, like even that's a hard one for me to get my arms around. But who are, and Michael Singer dives deep into all this, like who were we before we were conceived by our parents? Like if you believe that there is an energy that needed to come through and Mm -hmm. it came through your parents and who are we after we pass away? Like sometimes it's hard to get my arms around that feeling, but I do believe it to be true. I think that we all are energy beings. Um, And sometimes like it's easier accessible to, I was just coaching a guy this morning and we're, I was asking him to accept himself for being scared about being in relationship with his wife. And I'm like, can you, he's like, I can't do it. Like, I don't, I don't know how to accept myself. And I invited him to like, think of you as a little boy really trying to who's trying his best to be the best man that he can be for his partner. And sometimes that's an easier on-ramp to use that disidentification process because I when I'm an ego, I'm lost in all my personas. Like I think I am the one who needs to be not disappointing people all the Mm -hmm. time. Or I think I am the one who has to be this way with my friends or that way with my wife. So it's just, um, It's just an exercise of having the awareness, like I'm not any of these things.
1: Well, let me, the way I see that, like with your, with your client and, and I can relate this to myself too, is there's a difference between when you ask someone like, you know, forgive yourself or what did you say to him? Uh, Give yourself, accept yourself. He's trying to do that in his mind. Right. And see your mind can't do that. You actually gave the perfect word. You said, it's how we feel. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the dis when we say accept yourself we try and go to our brain and say okay i need to i need to accept myself in my mind and what you're doing you need to get out of the mind yeah. you need to accept yourself in the body and a lot of people will be like i don't even know what that means so put your hand on your heart hmm. and say to yourself, can I accept myself? And your body may have an interesting response. At first, it may like, you know, feel uncomfortable or it may, but it's not going to talk to you like the mind. The body has, one thing I can promise everybody is that your body has your best interests at heart. Your body is, it wants you to survive, in every way. So your body, so if you hear something like you suck, that's your mind. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're still in your mind. And you might hear your body saying you're fine. And then your mind is like, no, you suck, but you can differentiate between the two. And so there's no way our mind is ever going to agree with all of these things. Like it, it, it may for a while, we have moments and that's what I tend to call enlightenment. When all of those things are like lined up, like I'm feeling a certain way, I'm experiencing something, and even my mind is in alignment, I'm like, wow, this is enlightenment to me. That's what I call it. But it doesn't stay. It's like a – It's it's a, wave. it's a wave. It's like an experience. It's, you know – it's like where everything is okay. And what you realize is the whole concept of everything is okay is not an external experience.
0: So what's interesting about what you shared is that I agree with you, like most of our evolution, most of our personal growth work happens through the body. Correct. The confusing part though is sometimes feeling those feelings is super uncomfortable. Correct. So like, it's not like this warm, fuzzy feeling all the time. It might be, but it also might be you need to get some sadness, some fear, some anger out, and it really is painful, but it doesn't mean it's bad.
1: When I pay attention, when I tap into something in my heart my usual thing if i'm really tapped in is i usually cry and and not everyone that's not right or wrong that's just kind of how i experience it and i think that could be anger frustration sadness fear it it just comes out in tears and that's how i know that i've tapped into something that is um sometimes it's even joy you know sometimes it's even happiness um but yeah i think the thing oh it's just so it's so complex because that's the hardest part for me too is what I realize when I have to work on something that I'm having ex- experiences and feelings and uncertainty and fear and all that is I'm like, Oh, I got to feel all this shit. Like I, I do not look forward to it. I do not, but I also know it's the only way it's, that's, that's the hardest yeah. part is like, I know that the discomfort I feel is and the sadness and when it comes up, it's hard but it's the only way through, and and then, and there could be when we don't have to do it all the time. It's just I know, like right you now, don't have
0: to. Sometimes go numb yeah. out, go numb yeah. out. The you problem, don't do it all the, the time. problem is, what happens sometimes is that's all we do. Like I oh, uncomfortable. I'm going to go over here, and like I said, sometimes it's with like really toxic things, like drugs and alcohol. And other times it's about pseudo productive stuff, like me going to my laptop, my email, or somebody going for a run to escape a feeling. I know, like it's so. Or some guys are addicted. Some guys and girls are addicted to working out. I know. Like I don't. I don't like what I'm feeling. I got to go work out. And then
1: the working out has legs, where they're like, "I'm working out so I can look a certain way because if I look a certain way, all my problems right. will go away." When really driven. it has yeah. nothing to do with that. So the the other the other part of this that is difficult is I kind of experience life as I'm trying to come up with something different than a marathon. Cause that can, for me not being a runner, sometimes I'm like, oh,
0: an ultra marathon. No,
1: it's a, it's a long game and it's a, journey. it's a journey. It's like a, like I'm, you know, you know what? I just got it. I got a visual. It's like a hike through the woods, you know, and sometimes everything's cleared out. And the hike is pretty smooth. And what can happen during that smooth time, and this is very personal to me because this is what I experience, is I will kind of go back on autopilot because everything's pretty smooth. And so I start to use old judgments and I start to use old ways of being and I start to judge other people and I start to be like, oh, everything's great, nothing could go wrong. I I go on autopilot and it's like I get to set down all my equipment (laughs) And kind of just hike with nothing on my back, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just kind of, and then something happens or uncertainty comes or fear comes or some, you know, something scary. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to like go back through the trees and I got to put the backpack back on. And it's a lot of work. And I really prefer the, you know, the time when everything, when I can just be on autopilot, because the thing is, is, is consciousness is not autopilot
0: no it's dis- it's it's discomfort, it's challenging, yeah, it's sometimes not it's easy. hyper aware, yeah,
1: and hyper awareness is and I, maybe we don't even need to put hyper awareness is like right now, yeah. like you are you are feeling what's happening, you are experiencing it, you are and it's not always easy, so we prefer an autopilot response like the you know where we don't have to 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 trek so hard, like it, it doesn't, the walk isn't so difficult. Well, and it makes sense.
0: We're hardwired to avoid discomfort. Mm-hmm. The weird thing is most change comes from experiencing discomfort.
1: And we are hardwired to avoid discomfort. And simultaneously, as the Buddha says, life is suffering. So those two things don't make sense. And when I talk about life is suffering, Todd and I did a whole show on what that means. It doesn't mean life sucks. It means that life inherently has difficulties because you can't it that's just the way it is like it's not a thing like i'm going to have a life with no difficulty there's no way to do that so you have to accept that part of life is suffering yet we're hardwired to not want to feel discomfort so something's got to give right so we have to learn how to manage discomfort and that's what i mean about the big hike um, is that we have to learn how to wear our backpack a certain way. We have to learn how to stay aware of snakes on the ground. We have to learn how to look around and then appreciate the autopilot times when we're walking and everything's kind of smooth and we can see a waterfall. And it's like, I'm going to have gratitude for this because I know this isn't always. And, and but not then believe, that's what Life Waves was about. That's yeah. what I wrote about in my, but not believe that that's the way it always is.
0: Yeah. It's okay to want it always to be easy because that's normal, Right. but the understanding that it's not always easy.
1: And if you believe life should always be easy, then you're causing your own suffering Right. because then you are saying it shouldn't be this way. And the
0: minute it is, you're like, wait a second. Wait
1: a second. Why me? And then that's where my persona of the only lonely one where I'm like, it's hard for me. It's hard for, there's like this belief where I'm not looking at the big life picture and it's a lot easier to understand the process and realize my place in it versus thinking it's a personal problem to Kathy. Yeah, Like I'm like, oh, this is just part of the whole thing. And then my, you know, what I know for sure is that there is a, you know, hiking through new terrain opens up new things for your life. Sharing your experience opens up new connections. Like that's the only way You know, and I can say, you know, I'm in the middle of other things that I'm dealing with now. But when I look back at all the things that scared me to death, they all became something beautiful eventually. Even things that
0: I, you know, but that's in the
1: moment that's hard to focus on.
0: Um, One of the things as we close shop here, you just said, you know, you personalize the stories, Mm -hmm. which I think we all do. And I, I just pulled up a poster on the four agreements by... Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh-huh. And one of the agreements for, uh, I guess, a, a valuable life is to not take anything personally. Yeah. Like, just stop there. Yeah. Like, how are we as human beings going to do that? But I think he's right.
1: Well, and, these, and again, this is where we get back into paradoxes. You have to understand that you are completely not alone in the world, and yet you are all alone. Mm-hmm. You have to understand to not take things personally and also understand that everything is personal to you. Yeah. So, and people will say, well, which one? Both, 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 both all the time. Everything's paradoxical. Everything is on a continuum. These, you you don't get to negotiate
0: those things. Sweetie, I'm going to, I just Googled it for the sake of the show, but it's a $19 poster on the four agreements. And I think I'm going to buy it. Sure. 19 bucks. Don't take anything personally. And then there's a paragraph underneath it. The first one is be impeccable with your word, Mm -hmm. which I love, which is speaking with integrity. Third one is not to make assumptions. And the last one is always do your best.
1: Sweetie, because it makes an ass out of of you and me.
0: me. Um, Real quick, uh, Team Zen, it's holiday time, which means our team is going to get some swag. So if if there's any listeners out there that have not yet... Join Team Zen. Just know if you join in the next week or so, you'll be getting a pretty sweet holiday swag thing from Kathy and I. Some other things you get is we have the Zen Talk podcast, online community, online micro communities. We have over 150 Zen Talks that you get access to right away, amongst many other things. Oh, you get videos of Smokey or Three-Legged Rabbit? Come
1: on. Come on. That's enough.
0: Um, Zero pressure, 100% support. Hopefully you decide to join us. Um, and our other partner is Avid Company. Uh, they do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Kathy has an amazing book called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Unpredictable World. Um, I coach guys. i also an executive director of menliving.org. So lots of opportunities. <laughs> you
1: know, I was saying before that the title was an uncertain world, but it's
0: unpredictable world. I know. I thought you were just modifying it for I, the sake of the conversation. I am so because I, call you out on
1: it. I think the original title, subtitle that I gave was said uncertainty. And then the, the author, the, um. What's it called? The publisher changes it. But uncertainty and unpredictability are very similar. They have a little different feel. But for those of you out there that are kind of having one of those, like things are uncertain or I'm afraid or I'm anxious days, you're not alone. Um, you know, me too, man. Uh, I I think that the practice is realizing you're just on a hike. And sometimes in the midst of those times, um, it can be really challenging and you feel like you need a lot of sleep, which you should get, and you, you need a little extra support. But you're also getting. There's something beautiful in in the growth and in where you're going, and it it that's just the part we we're not sure of quite yet,
0: sweetie. I've been men- I've been meaning to mention this for the last fifty six minutes. Yeah, how's that strand of hair doing? Oh my god, it's driving me crazy. You you've adjusted it probably eighty five times.
1: Well, I parted my hair in the wrong place, and so like, and I got it cut, and it's like, and I like the cut, but I have it parted in the wrong place, so it's in my eyes.
0: Not in my not, ears. Uh,
1: not in my eyes. Um,
0: so invitation, make sure you enjoy Thanksgiving for those of you who listen to us from the United States. Uh, make sure you enjoy Thanksgiving. Make sure. Make sure. But And the way you make sure is by watching planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes. That's the way you do it. Yes. Make sure. Keep track of everybody.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review.
0: We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com.
1: If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.